Good morning, everyone online, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Calvary Online Experience. Welcome home. My name is Eli Emiliano, and I can't wait to worship and celebrate Jesus with you today. Happy first Sunday of August. Now, before we jump into our worship experience, I want to let you know that there's just something special about gathering in person to worship as one church. So it's not too late. There's still time. If you live in or around the city of Irving here at our Irving location, we have two weekend worship experiences, our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., whichever works best for you. We would love for you to join us in person. I also want to personally invite you to come out to one of our Calvary locations for an in-person worship experience. Remember, we are one church in multiple locations, and we want to meet you, welcome you and worship with you in person. Just know that it's truly not the same without you. Maybe this is your first time tuning in or you've been watching for a while and perhaps you're interested in getting to know who we are as a church, who we are as believers, how we live as believers, and how we can change our world. Well, Grace Walk is the perfect option for you. It's basically the on-ramp for church membership here at Calvary. 
we meet in person the second Sunday of every month. And a little bird told me there's always something good to eat as well. So make sure you join us for the next one. You can always learn more at our Calvary app or at calvarychurch.cc. Well, school is about to start and what a better time to enroll into Gospel Institute than now. What is Gospel Institute? Well, I'm glad you asked. Gospel Institute is online classes and teaching lessons, self-paced, that explain in depth what we preach as a church and what the gospel truly is. So if you love the gospel and would love to grow in it and learn more about what we preach here at Calvary, then please sign up for Gospel Institute. It's easy. Just go to our Calvary app or at calvarychurch.cc. Family, our team is always growing and there is a place for everyone. There are all kinds of places where your talents, abilities, and service can be greatly used and developed every single weekend. We would love for you to sign up for our dream team. You can sign up on our Calvary app or at calvarychurch.cc, or if you're going through Grace Walk, we'll give you different ways to sign up there as well. Church, wherever you are watching from, we believe that you are watching for a reason. Our lead pastor, Ben Daly, opens every one of his messages declaring that those listening would have eyes to see, ears to hear, a mouth to confess, and a heart to receive all the good things that Christ has already provided for you. And that is our prayer for you today. Even though we've been going through a scorching hot summer it's it's hard to believe fall is just around the corner family vacations are wrapping up kids going back to school everybody getting back into their household routines and i want to encourage you personally to intentionally make it a priority to get your entire family to church here at calvary we believe in the family so Every weekend is power-packed with gospel-based teachings and activities designed especially for kids of all ages. Let us help you, as the book of Proverbs says, point your kids in the right direction. Let us point them to Jesus, and when they're old, they won't be lost. I hope to see you in the house very soon. You belong. Now, right before we hop into the message, please know that your generosity allows us to make an impact in the lives of everyone, every day, everywhere. Don't miss out on the opportunity to live generously and give generously today by giving on our safe and secure Calvary app or at calvarychurch.cc. We're in the middle of a powerful series called Fruit of the Spirit, One Fruit, Nine Flavors. If you missed last week, go back and check it out. But until then, we want to make sure you're caught up and ready to go in today's message. And we have a very, very special guest today that I know you're going to enjoy very much. So check out this short recap of last week. Who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God wants you to be so secure in this promise. That he wants you to say like the psalmist David said, He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. You see, the secret place is not a geographical location. It is in Christ. The word dwell means to sit down, to remain, to settle. And the Bible says that we are seated in Christ Jesus. Hey, 
clarity is kindness. Clarity is when you are clear about what is expected and what is true. And to be unclear, think about it, is actually unkind. I say that to make a point. I've heard it said that we just need to be kind to people and that'll set them free. Your kindness will set people free. That is absolutely not the case that is incorrect. Kindness alone won't set people free. We do need to be kind to everyone, no matter what weakness of the flesh they're struggling with. But check this out. Scripture says that it is knowing the truth of God's word that sets people free. We speak the truth with kindness to help people receive the life of Christ and everything to finish work off.
say, church, would you stand up on your feet? And what those hands say, come on.
presence of God today. Come on, clap those hands.
know that he is faithful? Aren't you glad to know that you have a good father who has promised you some amazing things? In the midst of this crazy world that we live in, we've got promises to stand on. I know you've heard me mention it before. We've got thousands of promises in scripture. But I think for this little ministry moment, we don't have time to go through all the promises. I think we'll do best by talking about the promiser. How about we talk about the one who made the promises? Can I give you a couple things to be reminded of? Number one, he's powerful. The one who made the promise has the power to back the promise. Can I tell you how powerful he is? When he created the heavens and the earth, he spoke it. And when it manifests, he declared that it is good, right? It is good. Check this out. Not only is it good, but every promise that he made is a good promise. And all you've got to do is put your faith and trust in him and receive it. Here's another thing I want you to know about the promise, sir. He's faithful. Thank you for reminding us, Calvary Worship, how faithful he is. He's faithful when we're faithless. You need to know this because there's going to be some moments when you don't think you deserve the promise. There's going to be moments when you're going to start talking to yourself and you're going to talk yourself out of receiving promises because you didn't perform properly. You didn't believe enough. You didn't pray enough. Whatever the case may be, I think it's good to know that the promiser is faithful. And because he's faithful, you can take the pressure off of yourself and understand that if he promised it, he wants you to have it. Put your faith in the promiser today. Here's the last one. I want you to know that the promiser loves you. He loves you dearly. He didn't make you for the promise. No, he made the promise for you. You need to know that, that his heart for you is way bigger than his promises. He promised because he loved you so much that he wants you to be provided for. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to be encouraged. He wants you to be lifted up. He wants you to be edified. Every promise of the finished work of the cross, it was for your benefit. The promiser wants you to receive every good promise. Today our pastors and elders are going to come to the front. You know what they're going to do? Just get in position to remind you of the goodness of the promiser. And if you're facing any troubles, any storms today, they're just going to remind you and aim you in the right direction. They're going to let you know that the promiser is for you and not against you. And they're going to help you simply trust and receive. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the reminder. We thank you for your good promises. And today we position ourselves to simply receive them in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to worship, we're going to open up the aisles so that you can come and receive prayer. God bless you. Come on, church, just lift your hands all over the place right now. We rest in his promises and his faithfulness. And he continues to just work on your behalf in all things. Thank you, Jesus.
come on, clap your hands, church. Today we set our eyes on his faithfulness. We see through the eyes of faith today. No matter the situation or circumstance, we know that he's got us. He's working for our good. Thank you, Lord. Let's just declare this. I know you're working. I know you're working in all things. In all things. I know you're working. I know you're working in all things, in all things. Come on, lift that up today. Come on. Sing it with your heart. In all things, you're working for my good. You're working for my good. I know. I don't have to worry now.
to worship with you. You may be seated. Check out these announcements today. As summer winds down, it's time to get back into the routine of school and daily life. For many kids, this means it's time for a haircut and new shoes for the first day of school. It's something that's often overlooked until the night before. When you realize your kid has outgrown their sneakers and their hair isn't right for the first day of school pictures that will live on forever. This is where Kicks and Cuts comes in. Get to the Calvary Church Irving location August 14th at 11 a.m. Immediately following the experience, we'll be giving shoe gift cards to all kids K through eighth grade while supplies last and haircuts to all kids ages K through 12th grade while supplies last. For more info, go to calvarychurch.cc. We'll see you August 14th. Women, we are amazing. You are amazing. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say that women aren't great. We keep the world spinning. We are full of ideas and opinions. We are resilient and determined. We need to connect together. To worship together. To celebrate the life of Christ together. That's why on September 15th, Pastor Kim wants to invite you to the Calvary Women's One Night. No fluff. No gimmicks. No games. We want to worship with you. Connect with you. And Pastor Kim has a word she wants to share with you. For more information and to register, go to calvarychurch.cc. Thanks for choosing Calvary Church to be a part of your Sunday routine. At Calvary Church, we exist to declare and demonstrate the gospel to everyone, every day, everywhere, which means we have a lot going on for you and your family. Here's some of the ways to stay in the know about everything going on here at Calvary. Number one, download the Calvary Church app. The Calvary app users get early access to certain things, pleasant reminders, and encouragement. It's simple to use, has so much content, and there are no confusing steps or unnecessary details. Number two, follow us on social media. Whether you have Instagram or Facebook, you can follow Calvary Church and our lead pastors, Ben and Kim Daly to see some really great content all the time. And number three, join the Calvary Text Club. Maybe you're old fashioned and aren't a big fan of social media. That's all right. Join the Calvary Text Club by texting Calvary to 888-465-2275. Thanks for staying connected to everything going on. Enjoy the rest of today's experience. Well, church, it's always exciting whenever a new child enters a family. And today, as a family, we're going to welcome and dedicate some babies. Can I get some oohs and ahs for how beautiful these families are? My goodness. And it's good to have up here with me Pastor Adam and Sylvia, who oversee the entire next-gen department. Pastor LaToya, who is here, she works with our young kids uh, when we're here in our worship experience. And then you can see behind are some of our fine elders who will be praying for these families. There's no greater moment when parents sense that children are a gift from God. In these joyful moments, we have the privilege of sharing with these parents 
in full appreciation for God as we dedicate these children. Dedicating a child acknowledges God's sovereignty not only over the child but also over mom and dad. Parents present their children before God and his people asking for grace and wisdom in carrying out their responsibilities. Parents also come praying that their children might one day trust Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And because children are a gift from God, it is natural that Christian parents present and dedicate their children to God. We're told throughout scripture this reality in 1 Samuel when Hannah presented her son Samuel in Luke 2. When Mary and Joseph brought their baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem in order to be presented before the Lord. And in the Gospels, we read that kids constantly were brought to Jesus. And as believers, we're called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God. God in his goodness gives children as gifts to parents. Parents not only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying this gift. Because children belong to God and are given by grace as gifts to these parents, it is only proper and appropriate that children be dedicated back unto God. So I want to speak to you parents for a moment. As parents, you are promising to take care and raise your children in a godly way. So that when they are old enough, they will commit their life to Jesus Christ and they will become a follower of him. Proverbs 22.6 instructs parents to train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Do you parents in the presence of God and the church promise to pray for your children daily to teach them about Jesus and God's eternal principles from the Bible? And model the Christ life like inside your home and outside your home to the best of your ability. Parents, if you can make these vows today, would you simply say, I will? As a church, we're promising to support this, these families, to encourage and care for these children and these families by praying for them faithfully by being their spiritual family, by modeling through our collective lives, collective lives what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, by walking alongside of these families. If you will agree to that, will you, church, say, we will. So what I want to do at this time is we want to dedicate these kids. I want to have everybody here as a witness just extend your hands. I'm going to have our pastors pray over these children and dedicate them to the Lord. Would you just extend your hands? Father, today it is a great joy. It is an honor and it is a privilege to dedicate back to you these gifts. We thank you that wrapped in these young children... They have everything they need on board right now to grow up into the full stature of boys, girls, men, and women of God. Thank you, Father, that you've given wisdom to these parents that you will give them 
the mind of Christ and the courage to be able to walk out what it looks like to be a godly parent in this day and age. Thank you, Father, that these parents will be salt and light, yes, to the world, but also to these kids. They will be a sweet fragrance, an example that these kids could one day follow and look up to. And the legacy they'll leave, yes, there will be things I believe I speak over them. It will be businesses. It will be resources. But that's not what the crown jewel. The crown jewel is a life that represented faith that they will leave in these kids. I speak protection over this generation of kids coming up. May they be bold, righteous. May they be faithful in everything you've called them to do. Father, we as a collective family just speak life over these families. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Church, can y'all put your hands together for these families? We're glad y'all are here. Come on, as they exit, go ahead and put your hands together and thank God for these beautiful families. Boy, they look so good. We're a blessed church, y'all. We are a blessed church. Well, I want to welcome everybody to this 11 a.m. worship experience. We're glad that you're here at our Irving location. Uh, if you're online, we want to say what's up to everybody online can we do something we like to do here at Calvary? We like to welcome all of our guests. Can we put our hands together? Thanks for coming. If you're looking for a church, look no further. Welcome home. You belong here. As a matter of fact, if you're a guest uh, in the house, if you could just slip your hand up. Our fine hosts here are going to put uh, a card in your hand. Now that card, if you just fill that out, it's got a little QR code on it. You take that to one of the welcome centers and uh, what they're going to do is give you Calvary Church's brand new album declarations just as a gift. So we're glad that you're here. I noticed some guests in the house. I want to say what's up to Pastor Sydney uh, from Australia. It's good to have you in the house. Honor you, sir. You guys saw a moment ago our woman's one night registration is open now. Early bird is $25. Go to calvarychurch.cc and register now. It sure is good to have you up here with me. Cade oversees all of our creative. Anything you see online, digitally, video, any of the screens, this man and his team are responsible for it. So could y'all help me welcome Cade here? Talk to us, sir. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of the creative team and what they've been working on. Uh, has anyone enjoyed Fruit of the Spirit? Anybody? I think it's been awesome. We, we, we get so many stories sent in of how this message is changing people's lives, how the story of God's grace is people changing, is changing people's lives, and we wanted to uh, let you guys represent Fruit of the Spirit, both the series and you bearing the Fruit of the Spirit. So uh, look at this cool little shirt right Come there. Come on. Ain't that something? Ain't One that something? fruit, nine flavors. One fruit, nine flavors. So uh, this shirt, you can order it today and today only. Uh, and then you'll get it next Sunday. You can pick it up right here. You can scan the QR code behind me. They're affordable. They're comfortable. They're awesome. I love them. And so you can scan it today. Get yours today. And again, you'll get it next Sunday. And uh, if you don't get a chance to scan it right now, you can meet one of us in the lobby as well. Well, I love that. You said today's the only day you can order it. Yes. 
That's what you call exclusive. So if you want to pick one up, it's going to happen today. And uh, thank you very much for making that available to us. I want to let you know very quickly, uh, we're going to have, you know, Gospel Institute uh, is something that we've put in place. And we want to be able to have an open house. That's going to happen August 21st. It's going to be 70% off. We have just completed year two. So in other words, year one in the can, year two in the can. We have hundreds of people that are students right now. I think we're nearing 500 students. We've got over 120 that have graduated. Y'all can put your hands together for that. That's something that came out of our pastor's heart a couple years ago. So make note of that. Be here the 21st. Could y'all thank God for Cade? What a gift in the house. If you can prepare your generosity this morning, you can prepare and give a couple ways we've made available to you digitally. You can give on one of our digital platforms. Uh, if you're old school, there's an envelope in front of you. Y'all still write checks. Well, if you carry cash, that's old school now, I guess. Uh, that's available for you as well. You know, Pastor Brad, we were uh, talking just this, this past week, which uh, got to hang out with Pastor and I do want to say this, y'all need to get ready. We talked to pastor, he's been on sabbatical, but how many of y'all know when you've been revving and God's been speaking to your heart, he's getting ready to come back, y'all, and he's going to come back with a bang, and, and I'm excited about him being back in the house, y'all. We're blessed to have him, but he sends his greetings to you. But we were talking about this idea of living from the inside out, living from who we are. Like, we don't do stuff to become Right. We're who we are so that we do stuff. Right. So here's the idea of that, and that's going to be found in the Old Testament. I found it in Genesis 39.3. There's other places, but for the sake of time, I'll read this. It says, His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. This is the story of Joseph, right. who was sold into slavery, brought down to Egypt as a slave, and Potiphar, part of the royal guard, or who oversaw the royal guard uh, in Pharaoh's house, saw something in him. As a matter of fact, next it says he put him over everything, but I want you to notice something. He saw that the Lord was with him. See, he was a slave. He didn't have riches or wealth, church. He didn't have a 401k. He didn't drive the nicest, I guess it would be a chariot back then say a Bentley or whatever no he was broke but what what Potiphar saw was something on the inside of him come on that I know that if I put you in charge of come my on. entire house God is with you and I'll be blessed as a result church do you know why we stand up here every week and say thank you for being a generous church even if you haven't given I know I know we are a generous church because of the things that we get to accomplish but I know I'm talking to some guests and some folks that haven't taken this journey, but I say you are generous and I say it to everybody. It's because I see the Christ in you, which yeah. is generous, and I'm speaking faith over you. Isn't that interesting? I love that, Pastor Chris. And you know, what's really crazy is if you come on this side, that was on, that's in the old covenant. That's yeah. on the other side of the cross. That's right. But if you come on this side of the cross where we live, you get to read Paul's letter and he writes to the church of Corinth. And I love this because yeah. it goes so much in tune with what you're just saying when you're describing Joseph. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, he says, let each one give according to what is purposed in his heart. 
So in other words, what he's saying is, is, is we give, our giving is a reflection of our heart. Now, we, we know that, church. We know that giving is not about our wallets or about the amount of money that we give. That's right. We know giving is a heart issue. But I love this because he said, your giving is a reflection. Give according to your heart. So in other words, when I begin to realize and believe that I am who God says I That's am, right. th that I am generous because I was created in his image and likeness. That's right. Now I get to live generously, not to become generous, but because I am generous. Come on, somebody. In other words, I'm not giving to be generous. I'm giving because he made me generous. That's right. And if, and if God, the God of all creation, could model the greatest level of generosity for us in that he gave the perfect gift of Jesus. Yeah. You talk about giving above and beyond, my goodness. He gave Jesus the perfect gift, and now we get to be a reflection of that. We get to give cheerfully, and I love it, it says he loves a cheerful giver. That doesn't mean he only loves you when you give. It means he loves you because you are a cheerful giver. Yeah. Now you get to give because that's who you are. It's a result of how you believe in your heart. You know, it's funny you said you know, you're basically referring to John 3:16. for God so loved the world, he gave. So if somebody yeah. was sitting here going, well, is God a giver? Obviously, God's a giver, but it shows the motivation for the giving. That's right. For God so loved the world that he gave. The manifestation of love is always giving. The manifestation of the God type of love, agape, is always yeah. other-centered. I know we got this twisted about what love is. It's my rights, what I need. Everything that Jesus did on earth, everything was for somebody else. In fact, even when it came to the Father. Though being equal with God did not consider equality. God, I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, not my will but yours. I'm, I'm giving. So not only did he give like that to the Father, but he gave like that to us, washing our feet. Everything, every miracle he did, that none of them were to benefit himself, y'all. That's the picture of love. And that's what so you are. That's what we're declaring over you. And as you believe that, your life will manifest that. That's it. And you will be like Joseph, and everything you're going to touch will prosper. Go ahead and hold your generosity in your hand. Pastor Brad, I just want you to declare some things over these people by yeah. faith, over this beautiful church. Just declare some things, would you? Father, I thank you that we were crafted and created in your image. And you are a perfect picture of generosity. And I thank you today that we get to abide in that realization, that reality, that we are who you said we are. We are generous with everything you've placed in our hands. Lord, I thank you today that we get to be a blessing to those around us. And we get to sow into your kingdom, a kingdom that has no lack or loss, a kingdom that was established upon the shoulders of Jesus, who modeled the perfect gift of generosity in giving of himself. So, Lord, as we give today, we're mindful of that. We give not reluctantly or begrudgingly, but cheerfully, because it's something we get to do, not something we got to do. Thanking you for all of these blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give, church. Welcome to Calvary. Whether this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to say welcome home and we encourage you to pull out your phone right now. There are so many great things happening here at Calvary. Make sure to stay in the know by downloading the Calvary app. There you can give, check out past messages, or connect to a gospel circle. Also, make sure that you follow us on social media at Calvary Church CC to get daily encouragement and be reminded of who you are in Christ. 
Lastly, follow our pastors on social media, Pastors Ben and Kim Daly. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you online. Put your hands together one more time for Calvary worship. Now I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock and I could see it already. All of my extroverts get a big smile. Like I get to get up and talk to folks and all my introverts slide in their seat. So here's what I need you to do. I need everybody to stand up. Extroverts, you go ahead and break the ice. If somebody looks like they're a little bit nervous, just give them a fist bump. Go ahead and greet somebody. Would you tell them it sure is good to see you in church? Meet somebody you haven't met. Calvary family, every location, Ben Daly here, and I want to thank you for being a part of a worship experience today, whatever location you're at or online. Kim and I are taking a few days to rest and recharge, and we could never do this if we didn't have such an awesome team. Thank you, board members. Thank you, elders. Thank you, pastors. Thanks to our lead team members. Thanks to administrators, every location. Thanks to dream teamers. Thank you. A million times I say thank you. Now today we're continuing this awesome series called Fruit of the Spirit, One Fruit, Nine Flavors. 
one of the signs of good health is a good appetite. There's only one thing that'll satisfy a good appetite. I've told you every week it's good food, but therein lies the problem. What's good food? Because my definition of good food and my doctor's definition of good food, it's entirely different. I define good food purely by taste. Is it good to me? But my doctor defines good food entirely different. Nutrition, is it good for me? Fruit is one of those amazing foods that meets both criteria. It isn't only good to the tongue, but it's good for the body. God has always been interested in fruit. Look at these scriptures. Man's first diet, God told Adam and Eve, you are free to eat fruit from any tree in the garden. The psalmist said that a righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. The wisest man who ever lived said the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. I love that. Life, not death. Jesus said the way you can tell the difference between a real Christian and a fake one is by their fruit. By their fruit, Jesus said, you're going to recognize them. Jesus went on to say that if you're truly connected to him as a branch is to a vine, you'll bear fruit. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Why does God have such a strong desire that we bear fruit? He wants us to live lives that are both good to others and good for others. He wants our lives to have flavor. He wants us to live lives that are attractive, so attractive that people want it. So what kind of fruit could we bear in our lives that would make us flavorful? And how do we bear much fruit? The answer to those questions are found in two magnificent verses of scripture. The theme verses for this series that we're in right now, Galatians. I've encouraged you. Are you reading Galatians this summer? But Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of you or me, but the fruit of the spirit in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against these things. There is no law. If you don't think these flavors are important, you think a marriage might be happier and healthier if both husband and wife constantly bore this fruit? You think business would be better if both employers and employees displayed this kind of fruit on a daily basis? You think friendships would be stronger and more beneficial if friends constantly displayed and bore this kind of fruit? You think churches would be attractive if they were filled with people full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control. Before you say this is impossible, I got bad news and good news. Bad news, it is impossible for any of us to manufacture these qualities on our own. Here's the good news. When you receive the life of Christ by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in you and through you. The qualities of a flavorful life cannot be self-manufactured. They must be spiritually cultivated. Our next flavor, this is a big one, patience. Impatience, did you know, stems from a lack of trust in God. The way to conquer impatience is to remember this simple truth. I love it. It's great to wait knowing God is never late. Think of it this way. God has a process on how he wants your life to flow. He has a plan on how he wants your life to go. He has a purpose in how he wants your life to grow. The key to patience is being willing to believe that as you rest in him, trust him, you can trust him to move his process, work his plan, and accomplish 
his purpose. Today's a big one. Oh, we need this. Patience. What a flavor. Calvary, help me welcome today's teaching pastor, because we got to talk about this today. Hold on. Patience. What's up, Calvary Irving? Come on, give yourselves a hand. Are you glad Jesus loves you today? Well, I just want to say how honored I am to be here. I love getting to come hang out with our Irving family. You know, we get sometimes so wrapped up in what God's doing at our North Carolina location because that's what we're in day in and day out. But every time we get a chance to come out and visit our Irving family, I'm just reminded of just how special and unique the Calvary movement is, being multi-locational, getting to declare and demonstrate this gospel, not just in one location, but in multi Locations. I love the fact that our pastors have a vision to carry this message to the ends of the earth. Are y'all thankful? Come on, somebody. In fact, I want to say this. I know Pastor Ben's watching online, and I'm so glad they're taking a break, a sabbatical. And as Pastor Chris mentioned, you better get ready and buckle up, because when he gets back, all bets are off, y'all. He's excited. And, uh, and I tell you, we're going to have some church. But, but I just want to take a moment to honor our pastors. We have the greatest pastors on the planet y'all that's right put your hands together and thank Jesus that's what Paul wrote to the Ephesians he says when he said God gave some apostles prophets evangelists teachers pre in other words when he gave us a pastor he gave us a gift and we are blessed with two incredible gifts pastor Ben and pastor Kim and the wonderful blessing they are not only to Calvary but to the entire kingdom to the all over this planet they're people that are blessed by their goodness and so I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of y'all. It's a special day today because this doesn't happen often. You, you got a chance to hear uh, while she was singing, but I'm so glad to have my lovely wife Kayla with me today and traveling with me all the way from North Carolina. And um, well, Pastor Ethan put her right up here on platform and I said, well, now everybody gets to see what I've known. You see, when God put the two of us together, my goodness, 30 years ago, uh, he, he, put, he put us together as a package. He gave her all the talent, gave me all the good looks. Glory to God. So... Uh, speaking by faith, hallelujah, but man, I'm always honored. She is my best friend. She's my soulmate. She is the greatest gift Jesus has ever given me, and it's always good. She doesn't get to travel out here as much as I do, but when she gets to, it's a blessing. Are y'all enjoying this series, our summer series, Fruit of the Spirit, One Fruit, Nine Flavors? Anybody enjoying it? You better enjoy it. Let me tell you, you know why we're talking about this? I grew up in a church full of religious nuts instead of spiritual fruit. Come on, somebody. So I don't, I don't know about you. I'm glad we're going to be a church that produces some spiritual fruit. I love that what Pastor laid out for me, though. He said, it's not what we do. This is not the fruit of us. How many of y'all are glad of that? It's the fruit of the Spirit. We get to bear what the Holy Spirit in us is producing. That means we get to carry it. So all we got to do, we don't have to do anything. We're, we're, thank God we're connected to, to the, the vine and we're just branches bearing fruit. And so this series is powerful because it's a reminder of who we are in Christ. Aren't you glad we're not talking about all the things you got to do? My goodness, with everything else going on, all we need is a more to-do list. But we are discovering the promises of God and the word of God that allow us to be operating in the will of God, which means we get to simply be who Jesus has made us and his fruit just begins to fall off of us. In fact, I don't know if you know it or not, but man, we've had a great few weeks. When you walked into work this week, guess what? Peace walked in. When you walked into the grocery store, love walked in. When you showed up in a situation that wasn't very favorable, guess what? Joy showed up. Come on, you know why? Because you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you and you get to carry everything he's producing. 
Some of you, let me tell you, some of you, if you knew you were carrying joy, you'd smile more. Tell your neighbor, say, you ought to smile more, glory to God, because you've got the joy of the Lord in you. So we are, as we're diving into these fruit, I, I joked with pastor this week, I said, boy, I'm so glad. There's so many great you know, flavors of fruit. We got love and joy and peace, and everybody loves to talk about that. And I, and I said, boy, I, I pulled the short straw because I get to talk about patience. Come on, somebody. How many of y'all have prayed for patience before? That's one of the first things my pastor ever told me when I got saved. Boy, don't you ever pray for patience. Because how many of y'all know when you pray for patience, you got to give you opportunities to see that fruit show up. Come on, somebody. Happened to me yesterday in the parking lot of the Galleria with my wife. I was honking the horn. And she said, boy, you sure are practicing what you're preaching. But I want to talk today about patience and really give you some encouragement because patience really does give us strength to walk out this life that God's ordained for us. It's, it's really a huge piece of discipleship. And, you know, I love talking about discipleship because we're called to be disciples. Here's the challenge we have oftentimes in church is religion makes discipleship about rules and the gospel makes it about tools. It gives us a chance to begin to operate and, and to actually utilize these flavors of fruit that Jesus bears on the inside of us so that we get a chance to choose. You know what? I'm in a situation where I can choose to be impatient or I can be reminded of who I am in Jesus and I can just pull a little fruit right off the branch right there and take a bite out of some patience. Come on. How many of y'all know sometimes it's better to take a bite out of fruit than to take a bite out of somebody else, right? Come on. So you get frustrated and you just need to go, you know what, man? I praise God that I, I, I get to be patient. And I want to talk today from that place and I get to use what is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, not just the Gospels, but in all the Bibles. I want to start from Matthew 11. I'm going to read in the message translation where I want to launch from today because Jesus really gives us some incredible revelation on how to operate in the fruit, the flavor of patience. Matthew 11, verse 28, this is what he says. I love how he kicks it off. He says, are you tired? My goodness, somebody, y'all want to wave a hanky right now. Worn out? Burned out on religion. Come to me, Jesus says. What an invitation. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's a good place to say amen. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I tell you right now, people who've been raised up in religion wouldn't even recognize this Jesus he says, I won't lay anything heavier or fitting on you. In fact, keep company with me and you'll learn to live, don't miss this church, freely and lightly. I want to pause for the cause before we dive into the meat of this message and address Jesus' intro when he's having this conversation with the people gathered around him because he starts it off by offering up three amazing questions. Now, at first glance, we tend to think that Jesus is being a little bit repetitive. Maybe, oh, Jesus, he was a good old, he was the great rabbi, he was a good teacher. Maybe he's trying to drive a point home because the first three questions he asked seem to be very repetitive. I mean, think about it. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? In other words, it's almost like he's saying, hey, guys, I'm trying to get your attention because I've got something I want to share with you. But first, I want you to do an assessment on yourself and see if this is really for you. But upon further exploring the text, what I've come to realize is I don't believe Jesus was being repetitive at all. I think it's very, very strategic on how 
he, he not only the words that he used in these three questions, but even the, the way that he used them. In other words, the, the, the order that he placed them in. And I want to talk for a few moments about these three questions because Jesus kicks it off and he says this. Are you tired? I want you to listen to, listen to me, y'all. Can anybody just admit over the last, I don't know, 24 months, like, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Does that sound like anybody's life? You know, can we just be honest for a moment? Does that sound like we've been through quite a bit, you know, not only as a country, but as, a, as the globe, we have gone through all kinds of stuff. So, so, you know, I think that it's easy for us to identify with who Jesus is talking about here because he starts off and he says, are you tired? That word tired there means fatigued. We all know what it's like to be tired. I mean, you can get tired just from having a you know, tough day, a long day at the office. Come on, ladies, you know what it's like to be tired. You, when you come home after, after working all day or doing whatever it is you've been doing all day and then you're fixing dinner for the entire family and then as soon as you get through, everybody says, thanks, mom, and they all scatter into their different rooms and different places and left, leave you with the dishes to clean up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you're just like, my goodness, I'm tired. Or guys, what do y'all know about doing some yard work in 105 degree Texas heat? Y'all, listen, everything's bigger in Texas. Everything's hotter in Texas too, y'all. My goodness. And like you can get tired doing anything. And, and, and what he's saying there is basically, hey, is anybody tired? And, you, and I'm sure the whole crowd's like, you're speaking to me. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He says, worn out? You know, in other words, worn out's kind of next level tired. Worn out is when you were tired, but you didn't get a chance to rest. You had something else you had to do. It's when you stack activity on activity on activity, trying to make your way through the week, and you're wondering, man, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to Wednesday, much less Friday. Worn out happens when we're not just fatigued, but when we're depleted. It's when our energy level is gone, because let's just face it, we've had a lot more activity than we've got ability We've got we availability. We got, we, we've been working hard all week long, and, and my goodness, just when you think you're going to get a break, you find out, you know, your daughter's got a volleyball game, your son's got a hockey game, you got, you know, you got a project due at work on Monday that you got to plan for all weekend, and on top of that, your third cousin that you don't even really like, but you want to stay in good graces with the family's got a birthday on Saturday, you got to attend. And if they're sitting with you, don't elbow them, just pretend like it's a different cousin. Like, worn out, we get depleted. Meaning, we're just zapped. Like, it's just like, man, you know, I heard a pastor recently say, he said, you know, if you're tired, you can take a nap. But if you're depleted, you got to get refilled. In other words, a 20-minute power nap ain't going to be the fix for somebody who is worn out. My granddad, who went transitioned to be with Jesus just a couple of years ago, he spent his entire life working in an auto parts store. And I can remember being over at his house sometimes with my grandmother. And he would come in from work, and he would kick his shoes off, and he would say, he would go sit down, just plop down in the recliner. I mean, my goodness, like it was going to just break it in half. And he'd go, boy, I'm worn out. What was he saying? He's saying, man, it's been a long day and I need to be refilled. And Jesus is talking to a group of people here who are not just fatigued, but they're also depleted. But he doesn't stop there. He says, are you burned out? Are you burned out? See, burned out is what happens when somebody who's worn out doesn't get refilled. Because to be, to be, you know, worn out is to be depleted. That means 
Your passion, your energy level is, is, is waning. It's getting low. But to be exhausted means you have completely exhausted all of it. In other words, you don't have anything left. It's when you get up and go, got up and went. Come on, somebody. And he says, are you, are you exhausted? Are you, are you just completely burned out? And that's such an important question we need to ask ourselves. And I know you're probably thinking, okay, burned out, worn out, you know, exhausted, depleted. Yeah, it's kind of semantics. No, it's not. In fact, there's a huge difference between the two, and it has to do with the mentality of the person. Listen to me, church. Because when you're depleted, you don't have the energy to do something, but you still have the passion to do it. But when you're exhausted, you don't, you don't have the passion or the energy. In other words, you're just kind of like, you know what? I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm finished. We see people doing that in careers. We see people doing that in businesses. We see people doing that in relationships. Come on, somebody. Where we, where we get to a place and you're like, you know what? Not only do I not have what it takes, I don't even care anymore. And that is a dangerous place to be. To be completely burned problem with burnout is you are so exhausted, you are so fatigued that you lose the ability to think with any clarity. I was watching, I'm not going to recommend this to be honest with you, but I was watching this series on Netflix called Alone. And this series is basically they took 10 people, crazy people, probably Calvary people, and they dropped them in a remote area with just a couple of small tools. And they said, okay, you're on your own. And last man standing wins. And they're completely remote. They're, they're completely apart. They don't have anybody they can talk to. And they're left to fend for themselves. And I, as I was getting intrigued by this and watching it, just about a week in, you know, they're having to find their own food and kill their own food and cook their own food and eat their own food. And, and, and most of them had not found any food. And so they're like a weekend and they're eating like leaves and berries. And I'm like, my goodness, that is not the way to go. And they're, they're, they're just, they're beginning walking around what, in what seemingly was a fog. And they talked about it and said, you know, you got food fatigue. It's when you haven't eaten and you, your body gets tired because every calorie you spend doing any activity is not being replaced by intake. But then food fatigue left what they called fog. It was the, the fatigue fog. And they said, what happens is, is you begin to lose the ability when you're so exhausted because you have no energy to think clearly. So little things that would become just stuff you just, you know, don't even think about, you can't even, you're, you're, you're trying to remember like, man, I don't even remember my middle name because I'm so exhausted. And what happens to people who are completely burned out is that when they're faced with making decisions and they're totally exhausted, they have no clarity. And they'll make really bad decisions that have severe consequences, not because they're a bad person or they want to make bad choices, but because they're so exhausted, they don't know what the right decision is in the moment. It's exactly what Esau did when his brother Jacob tricked him. Y'all remember that, right? When, when Esau's been out hunting all day and he comes in and Jacob's sitting there and he's just, you know, stirring that old pot of Campbell's chunky soup, right? And oh, Esau comes in and Jacob says, hey, do you have any luck to kill anything? And he's like, nope, I've been out there days and hadn't done anything. I'm starving. I'm exhausted. And then old Jacob, he says, oh, you are? Well, I can fix that. In fact, if you'll just, you know, you'll give me the birthright, then I'll gladly give you this, this pot of porridge. And in that moment, because he lacked clarity, because he was so exhausted, he traded something that was an eternal blessing for a temporary fix. 
See, here's the problem being exhausted. You will make decisions that have eternal consequences based on a temporary condition. It's an Esau complex. And that happens when we as believers do not take the time to find our rest in Jesus and we're going through the routines of every day and we're going through the rituals from week to week and we end up completely burned out. And we begin to say things to him like, oh, well, you know what? I, I don't have any desire anymore. Maybe, maybe the grace of God's lifted on that. So we'll leave jobs prematurely. Had a friend that was telling me, he said, man, he said, I had a great relationship with an incredible woman and things were going great. And then all of a sudden, I didn't, I just began to lose my passion. I just didn't have any desire anymore. He said, and I ended the relationship because I thought this isn't the one, the spark's not there. And he said, what I came to realize is it was all the other stuff in my life that was causing me to be exhausted. And, and because I was so exhausted, I couldn't see clearly. And I ended a relationship that was a blessing from God. Why? Because you're exhausted. And I don't know where you fall today on this table of tiredness, whether you're just tired and fatigued or maybe you're depleted and worn out or maybe you're like Jesus is speaking to and you're completely to the end. You are burned out and exhausted. No matter where you are, I got some good news. In fact, I got some great news for you, Calvary Church, because in this same passage, Jesus, the great physician, not only does he diagnose the problem, watch this, but he prescribes the answer. And he gives us in this very passage some what I call gospel realities that we get to partake in. They're really like tools that we get to use in order to refill our tank. I want you to hear me loud and clear. These are not things that you need to do in your to-do list. These are not, I'm not giving you these because this is what you gotta do to make God happy so he'll refill you. No, these are ways that we get to press into things that Jesus has already provided through the finished work of the cross. So the first thing he talks about, watch this. The first thing Jesus gives us is, he tells you, he says, you need solitude. Everybody say solitude. And I'm gonna help you out, y'all, especially you OCD folks like me. I'm helping you out. All four of these that I'm gonna give you begin with the letter S. Somebody say thank you, come on. Solitude. Listen to what Jesus says. Get away with me and listen to this promise and you'll recover your life. He doesn't just say, hey, get away with me, you know, it'll be a good time. Or get away with me and you'll feel better about the situation. He says, if you get away with me, you'll recover your life. What an incredible promise. As a believer, can I tell you right now, getting along with the Father and hearing his voice is not a luxury, it's a necessity. It is an absolute necessity. Not so you can satisfy religion but so you can actually begin to recover the life that he's provided for you. The noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input that we need most. Solitude is the place, y'all, where strength is renewed. Let me give you a biblical example. In the third chapter of Matthew, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist down at the Jordan. And immediately following, as you go into chapter four, the Bible says the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness, and that's where he ends up getting tempted. Now, I've often asked when I read that, why in the world would Jesus be led into the wilderness, not by the devil? He was led by the Holy Spirit in order to be tempted. I asked God this one time, and he spoke clearly to me in my quiet time and said, well, here's the thing. Jesus told you 
to pray like this, lead me not into temptation, right? That's what he told us to pray. Well, the reason is he was led into temptation on our behalf so we don't have to be. But I thought about it and I said, well, yeah, okay, I get that. Pray, thank you, Jesus. Appreciate you, you know, going to bat for me because I know I would have messed it up. But like, why the wilderness? Why would, why would the Holy Spirit take you to a place remote where you had no support, where you were all by yourself? And I perceived it totally wrong, y'all, because I always thought the wilderness was a place of weakness. And then I came to realize, no, the wilderness is actually a place of strength. Why? Because in the wilderness, he's removed all of the distractions of, oh, y'all ain't ready for this, the distractions of life. In other words, I don't have to worry about feeding multitudes. I don't have to worry about the drama of disciples. I can go and be alone with my father, and it's a place of strength. Why? So when the enemy does come to tempt me, I'm reminded of who I am and whose I am. See, the wilderness is not a place of of, of weakness, it's a place of strength. And the reason we don't get this is because we have created an idea in church culture where we have really swapped unknowingly solitude and isolation. See, solitude and isolation are two different things. Solitude is when you voluntarily step away to get along with the Father. That's needed. Jesus did that often. He would say, hey, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm gonna go spend time with Dad. That's not isolation. Isolation is when, because you haven't had the solitude with the Father, you're so exhausted, you don't have the energy to deal with everybody else, and you end up not even knowingly removing yourself from situations so people God has sent to encourage you don't have an ear. Why? Because you hadn't had time with the Father. And so we isolate, and that makes us, that puts us in a, in a compromising position. But that's not solitude. Solitude is when I say, you know what? I am gonna get up early tomorrow and spend a few minutes with the Father. Not because I got to to make him happy. He's already pleased with me because I'm in Jesus. But because, you know what? I wanna start my day off right. And when if I do walk in the office at 9 a.m. and all heck is breaking loose, at least I have myself grounded in the truth and promises of God and I'll remember who I am. And let me just say, what we're doing here today is so important. Gathering with like-minded believers is so important. Getting together at gospel circles and living life in community is extremely important. In fact, if you are watching online today, I want to invite you to get back in the house because there's something special that happens, y'all, when we get together with brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not a spectator thing, it's a participator thing. But, 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 but I need you to hear me loud and clear. That doesn't mean that we're allergic to alone time. Community is valuable, but so is your time alone with the Father. Because there's some things he wants to speak to you that everybody else doesn't need to hear. There's some things he wants to say that you won't listen because you're too busy listening to what somebody else is saying. Solitude is a gift. Let me move on. The second thing he gives us is he gives us Sabbath. He goes on to say, I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love that. He's like, man, y'all don't know. Like, let me show you, let me show you how to sleep. Watch this. I'll get in your boat and a storm will come and I'll still sleep. I'll make your fishing net my pillow and I'll sleep right on through that bad boy. He says, I'll show you. Just, just come with me 
and I'll show you how to find real rest. Now, the word we associate here with rest is the word Shabbat, or what we call Sabbath. And we identify Sabbath as a day because under the law, Sabbath was a day. But watch this, under grace, Sabbath is a way. That's why Jesus said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. It's not a day. It's a way. It's a way of living your life, and I am the way. In Mark 2, Jesus is being criticized by church leaders of the day because he was doing ministry on Sabbath day. And I love how Jesus responds. In verse 27, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, what he's doing is he's having to push back on a culture that has made it all about the rules and not about the people. And what, what he's saying is, is, is you guys don't know the heart of the Father because the reason the Father instituted the rule of Sabbath was so people would actually take the time to rest. It's not because I didn't want them to do anything. It's because I wanted to make sure they took ample time to get re-rested, refueled, and renewed so that when they come back, they're ready to go. He says, y'all think, think, think God created man to keep a Sabbath? God's not about, the Sabbath wasn't for God, it was for man. I'll tell you right now, you don't know how thankful I am, y'all. I was thanking God this week in my prayer time for a church that says to our pastors, you need a sabbatical. You need a few weeks away to rest because of the weight you carry. Man, I thank God. Can I just say thank you? Thank you, Pastor Chris. Thank you, Pastor Kareem. All of our teams, all of our dream team, and all of you that have continued to come week in and week out and allow our pastors to take a rest. Why? Because that is biblical. That's a word from the Lord. He says, rest with me. But it doesn't stop there. I love this. He keeps going. Simplicity. You got solitude. You got Sabbath. You got simplicity. Maybe the most challenging thing about modeling ministry after Jesus is just how simple his ministry was. Can I tell you right now, religion has worked overtime to make what Jesus did seem difficult. Jesus operated in the most simple of truths. He didn't have to work things up. He didn't have to say, oh, we gotta, we gotta do all these things in order to get some power from heaven. He didn't fall on his face all night long and call down all kinds of mess. You know what he did? He simply operated in the simple truth that whenever I show up, heaven shows up. And you know how he did that? Watch this, y'all. By simply using what he had. This is the most practical teaching right here. By simply using what he had. Do you know you can read your Bible starting tonight? from front cover to back cover. And never in your Bible will you ever find God instructing someone to do something that he didn't provide what they needed to do it. Every time. Abraham, what do you need? I need a sacrifice. Okay, there's a ram in the bush. David, you need something? Yeah, I need a weapon. There's a kind of big guy over there that's like shouting at me. Okay, here's a rag and a rock. Knock him out. Hey, Samson, what you need? Oh, I got to kill the Philistines. I need a covenant, man, of some strength. Okay, grow out a mullet. Well, I'll take care of you. Hallelujah. But, but like, we don't operate in these simple truths because you know what happens when we find ourselves on an assignment from God and we come across something that may not seem favorable, then, then we go into freak out mode. 
Because we don't operate by faith. We operate by what we see. Can I just talk real? Are we all right? So think about it. Moses is standing in front of the Red Sea. He's got millions of people to his back. And he's like, uh, Pharaoh's breathing down my neck. Hey, Father, uh, like, what? did I make a wrong turn somewhere? And God's like, nope, cross the sea. He's like, oh, okay, I got you. Uh, how do I cross the sea? And listen to what God says. What's in your hand? The only thing I got in my hands is a stick. Okay, use that. Oh, so what you want me to do, beat the people? No, no, that's not it. Just, just lift what you got in your hand. Do you see the simple revelation? That, you know what God say is whatever you got in your hand is what I'll use. Can I just ask you a question? What if every time you got to a place where you didn't know what to do next, you just listen to God and God says, hey God, what do I do? Hey, what you got? Just use what you got. Yeah, but I don't know how a stick's gonna work. I know, I didn't ask you to know how, I just said use what you got. Hold it up, hold it up. What's that gonna do? If you'll do it, I'll show you. All I got is 10 bucks. God, how's that gonna pay my house payment this month? Do what I tell you to do. Y'all ain't saying a whole lot, but I'm preaching pretty good right now. Oh, what, what, what do you got? What do you got? What, what, you know, God says, what do you got? What you got to work with? Because whatever you got to work with, listen, watch this. God will do more with what you got, and we're always worried about what we don't got. We're always looking at, oh, I wish I had what he had. If we were Moses, this is what we would do. We'd be like, hey, guys, we got a water problem. I don't know how to cross it. Hey, Moses, have you ever heard of Noah? Oh, yeah, that's the boat guy. Hey, I tell you what, somebody call Moses, uh, call Noah, call Noah, and, and get him on the phone. You know, has he got any books out on how to cross water? Order on, Aaron, get on Amazon right now and give me his book. Hey, Moses, I heard Noah's having a conference next week on how to cross water. Maybe you ought to go to the conference. That's it, guys. Hey, pack up. Let's go on over to see Noah. Like, we, we, we're always worried about what everybody else is doing. And the problem is we're not doing what God's called us to do. He simply used, what do you have? He didn't, he didn't ask Moses, what did Noah have? He said, what do you got? Are y'all getting this? Because, see, if you're always trying to do, can I just tell you right now, you'll never do what God's called you to do somebody else's way. And like, watch this. David shows up, he's got an assignment to kill a giant. They try to put Saul's armor on him. David said, take it off, it doesn't fit. Now watch this. There was nothing wrong with Saul's armor as long as Saul was wearing it. It was when David, they tried to put it on David. If David would have gone out to battle with that armor on, he would have been able to, unable to do what he was called to do. Why? Because he was trying to do it somebody else's way. What do you got? Jesus was so simple. Now watch this. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. Well, yeah, but what about Jesus? Did Jesus operate that way? Yes. Watch this. Hey, Jesus, we got all these people here for this revival, and Chick-fil-A is about to close. What are we going to do? Send them home? And Jesus is like, no, what we got? Oh, we ain't got enough. No, I didn't ask you what you don't have. I asked you what do you have. Oh, well, little Johnny over here has got a two-piece from Long John Silver, but I don't know what that's going to do. Oh, he said, and, and then Jesus watches. Jesus says, okay, well, that'll work. It'll work? Yeah, it'll work. How do you know? Because that's what we got. 
How do you know that I work? Because that's what we got. Because if we needed something else, we'd have it. Can I just say, show you there? Hey, let me just tell you right now. Can I just prophesy over you? If you don't have it, you don't need it. Oh. Oh. I feel like running. If you don't have it, you don't need it. Why? Because you've got all you need according to his riches and glory of Christ Jesus. So if you ain't got it, stop praying for it. And start saying, what do I have? It's simple. It really is. Oh, it ain't easy. It's not easy when you look and you got more month than money. But it is simple. When God just says, trust me. Last one is this, y'all. I'm going to really make you mad before I send you home. Hallelujah. We got solitude, Sabbath. Simplicity, watch this, y'all. Last one, slow down. Slow down. Listen to what Jesus says. And you will learn the unforced rhythms. I think Jesus even slowed down when he got to this part. The unforced rhythms of grace. You know what that is? Pace. Can I just ask you one question before I get you out of here? Watch this. Ready? Why are you rushing? Why are you in such a hurry? Well, because I got to serve God. Because I got to build the kingdom. Because my gosh, I only got a certain amount of time on this earth. Okay, 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 I hear you, I hear you. But if Jesus is sitting with the Father, and the Father says, all right, I'm sending you to earth. Okay, Dad, what do I need to do? Save it. Okay. How much time have I got to work with here? 33 years, whoo, that's not a lot. It's taken a couple thousand to get this bad. And you want me to fix it in 33? And the father's probably like, what are you complaining about? I built it in seven days. And Jesus shows up on earth, watch this. And guess what he doesn't do? He doesn't start his ministry for 30 years. He waits 30 to do it in three. Why? Because he understood the unforced rhythms of grace. Hey, Jesus, come on, we gotta hurry. There's a young lady dying. Okay, and he's just walking through, and he throws a tug, and he goes, what was that? They're like, Jesus, come on. He's like, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Who grabbed me? She did. Oh, my daughter, faith has made you well. Hey, Jesus, we gotta go. And he's like, well, y'all just chill. I'm talking to her. Hey, go about your business. All the stuff you've been trying didn't work, but guess what? Now, you're good. Hey, Jesus, your friend Lazarus, the guy you love so much, he's about to die, man. He is sick. It's time to come off sabbatical. And Jesus is like, Lazarus is sick? Oh, I hate to hear that. Yeah, tell him we'll be there in a couple days. Kind of gives a different flavor to what a friend we have in Jesus, doesn't it? We want him to stop what he's doing right now and rush. But why didn't he? Because he walked according to the unforced rhythms of grace. Just slow down. Can I just help you out? Slow down. Why? If Jesus could save the world in three years and never run anywhere, I think that our excuses are probably null and void. <laughs> he walked everywhere. 
And we're, we're freaking out because, oh, I got to get it done. I got to get it done right now. Right now. No. Slow down. If Jesus were to run to heal the sick girl who was dying, he would have never had the divine appointment with the woman with the issue of blood. many divine appointments are you missing because you're in a rush like, just slow down you know, you know what slowing down helps you do too it helps you enjoy the journey y'all it helps you enjoy the journey pastor Ben and I were talking this week man. We were talking about how we get so focused and driven about where we're going that sometimes we never get to enjoy where we are and I confessed, I said, I can remember we have a 16-year-old son. And I remember when he was a baby going, I can't wait till he gets old enough to throw football with. And then it was, I can't wait till he gets old enough to go to school. And then it was, I can't wait till he gets his license so he can carry his sister everywhere. And now he's 16 and I go, wait a minute. Hold on a minute, can we rewind? Because as I'm wrestling with our three-year-old, I'm going, hey, I kind of missed that with him. Why? Because I was so busy trying to get to my next that I didn't enjoy my now. Can I tell you right now, listen to me, church. We spend all of our todays planning for tomorrow only to get in our tomorrow and long for yesterday. Don't rush. It, it, it's not. His mercies are new for you every morning. You got what it takes. Just stand to your feet all over the building. I want to prophesy as I leave. Is this all right? Can you slow down? Just tell, tell your neighbor, say, slow down. Say, it's all right. Just tell them, say, the chicken's still going to be warm. Slow down. I'm not insisting that we now sit back and wait on God to fix things. Do you know why? Because God's done his part. I love Isaiah 40, 31. It says, those that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. I want to speak to some people right now who've been operating in impatience and you are worn out and exhausted. Hear me right now. God has renewed your strength. But that word says you, you wait upon the Lord. It does not say you wait for the Lord. There's a difference between waiting for something and waiting upon something. Because when I'm waiting for it, I'm waiting for activity to happen that hadn't happened yet. But when I'm waiting upon it, I'm standing on a promise of a realization that what I know he said he would do, he will do. And maybe it hadn't manifested yet, but I'm still going to occupy this space until it shows up. Paul says we're seated in him in heavenly places. That's what he writes to the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians 1 and 2, he says, you're seated with Christ. So watch this, when I see, wait upon. The word upon is up on, up on. So I wait up on the Lord. In other words, I'm just sitting in the lap of the Lord going, all right, I don't know how you're gonna do this one, Dad. I don't know how you're gonna fix this situation, but I can't wait to see it, because I know you will. And it looks rough right now, but you know what, Dad? I remember what you said when you said, you'll work all things. All things, not just good things, bad things but all things just lift your hands up Father I just declare and decree right now over your people that's right we are patient 
We are waiting upon you, God, for the manifestation of all the things that are part of our divine inheritance as new covenant believers on this side of the cross. We thank you, Lord, that we have solitude we can go to in you, that we can draw away from the rat race of life and find rest and refuge in the shadow of your wings. Lord, I thank you that we have Sabbath, that we can completely rest in an assurance, a confidence of knowing that when you finish the work and you are the author and finisher of our faith, that it's gonna work out just the way you planned it. Lord, I speak simplicity. Let the complexity of culture bow to the simplicity of the gospel. That we just operate in the knowing of what we have is enough. I don't have to beg for it. I don't have to drum it up. I simply operate in an abundance that you've already provided. And Lord, I thank you that we can slow down enjoying the journey of life with you. I declare that Calvary is a church that is slowing down to catch up with God. That we are not a church that is running ourselves ragged trying to do something for God, but we are abiding in the rest of God and allowing Him to work in and through us. Not just corporately, but in your homes, in your families, in your life. That you can enjoy the gift of Jesus and bear the fruit that produces the flavor of patience knowing that I'm not waiting for God to do something but I am waiting upon the promises of God to show up and show off like only he can so that he Jesus alone gets the glory the honor and the praise in Jesus name put your hands together and say amen amen and amen thank you pastor Brad go ahead and remain standing before we dismiss what a beautiful prophetic word for us as we continue our series on the fruit of the Spirit. I got something really important that I want to share with you before we leave. Next week is a big week for us. It's something we call kicks and cuts. We're going to help kids get ready to go back to school. And I want you to celebrate because we're able to do it because of your generosity. Let's clap our hands and celebrate that, Calvary. We set a goal and we're almost there. I believe we can cross over today, Pastor Chris. We're right there. We want to be able to help 500 kids. And if you want to be a part of that, this is the last week before. I want you to get out your phones right now and help us cross over and be able to have what we believe is going to be one of the most important outreaches of the year. Helping families in need get their kids back to school confident and knowing who they are in Christ what was Calvary when I was a kid all I wanted was a fresh fade and a pair of shoes that's all I needed but we're going to provide that for some kids here in our community let me give you an idea of what it's going to look like next week is a family worship experience our next gen are going to be in the house with us you're going to see some of them up here on the platform with the worship with Calvary worship and right after there's going to be food trucks and we've got some barbers and stylists that are here to give our kids some haircuts once again that's because of you Calvary clap one more time because this is huge can you imagine how we're gonna bless these amazing families in need now I want you to take a few of these cards on the way out and I want you to invite some friends and family some people in your neighborhood if you believe in your heart that they need this and it would be a blessing I want you to get the word out also, if you want to help us get the word out, we're going to do a blitz in four key areas in our community next Saturday, Loving Our City Saturday. 
If you want to join up and hang out with us that day, you can see one of our pastors and elders at the Welcome Center. Calvary, I love you. I'm so proud to be a part of this church that cares about the community. We're crossing over. We're reaching goals, and we're blessing families. Amen? Well, Calvary, we love you. You are dismissed. Well, come on, church. Give it up for such an amazing experience. What a powerful word on solitude, Sabbath, and simplicity, and slowing down. Why don't you throw up some clapping and praise hand emojis? And man, what an amazing word from Pastor Brad, our, our Calvary Wallace pastor. He's family, y'all, and he brought the word today. Remember, if you want more info on everything Calvary, please make sure you go to Calvary Church. Well, thank you so much for tuning into Calvary Church today. Before you leave, allow me to pray for you. Father, thank you for patience. It is you and us where we can practice and live this rest that you have given, slowing our pace down. Father, thank you that we're able to do that in you. Well, church, we're excited to see you again soon. And please stop by a gospel circle this week. You'll not regret it. Make sure you sign up on the website. We'll see you real soon. We encourage you to live generously and give generously. You can do that right there online on our app by searching and downloading Calvary Church CC. You can give on our website or you can text to give by texting Calvary IRV followed by the amount to 833-245-6183. And I encourage you to set up your reoccurring giving. Calvary, let's remain consistent and faithful in the face of inconsistency.